0: Section Two of Gafantia by Charles Francois Tipchenia de La Roche. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Six: The Surfaces. Meanwhile, the prefect moved on, and I followed, quite astonished and pensive. At our coming out of the wood, we found ourselves before a hill. At the foot of which stood a hollow column, above a hundred feet high and thick in proportion i saw issuing out of the top of the column vapours much like the exhalations raised by the sun in such abundance that they were very visible from the same column i saw coming out and dispersing themselves in the air certain human forms certain images still lighter than the vapours by which they were supported behold says the prefect the refiner of the elementary spirits the column is filled with four essences each of which has been extracted from each element the spirits plunge into them and by a mechanism too long to be described get rid of all extraneous matter the images which thou seest coming out of the column are nothing more than very thin surfaces which surrounded them and served to make them visible These surfaces partake of the different qualities of the spirits who excel more or less in certain respects, as visages are expressive of the characters of men, who differ infinitely. Thus there are images or surfaces of science, of learning, of prudence, of wisdom, etc. Men often clothe themselves with them, and like masks these surfaces make them appear very different from what they really are hence it is that you constantly meet with the appearance of every good of every virtue and every quality though the things themselves are scarce to be found anywhere at babylon especially these surfaces are in singular esteem all is seen there in appearance a babylonian had rather be nothing and appear everything than to be everything and appear nothing so you see only surfaces everywhere and of every kind surface of modesty the only thing needful for a babylonian lady it is called decency surface of friendship by the means of which all babylon seems to be but one family friendship is like a strong band made of very weak threads twisted together a babylonian is tied to no one by the band but he is tied to each of his fellow-citizens by a single thread surface of piety formerly much in use, and of great influence, nowadays totally in disrepute. It gives people a certain gothic air quite ridiculous in the eyes of the moderns. It is now found only among a few adherents to the old bigots, and in an order of men, who, on account of their function, cannot lay it aside, how desirous soever they may be. Surface of opulence, one of the most striking things in babylon behold in the temples in the assemblies in the public walks those citizens so richly dressed those women so adorned those children so neat so lively and who promise so fair to be one day as frivolous as their fathers follow them to their homes furniture of the best taste commodious apartments houses like little palaces all continues to proclaim opulence but stop there if you go any farther you will see families in distress and hearts overflowing with cares surface of probity for the use of politicians and those who concern themselves with the management of others these great men cannot be as honest as the lower people they have certain maxims from which they think it essential never to depart and from which it is no less essential that they appear extremely remote surface of patriotism of which the real substance has long since disappeared we must distinguish in the conduct of the babylonians between the theory and the practice the theory turns entirely upon patriotism public good national interest glory of the babylonian name all this is the language of theory the practice hangs solely upon the hinge of private interest it is very remarkable that in this respect the babylonians have long been dupes of one another each plainly perceived that the country did not much affect him but he heard others talk of it so often and so affectionately that he verily believed there was still such a thing as a true patriot but now their eyes are open and they see that all are alike CHAPTER Seven: THE GLOBE. SUCH IS THE LOT OF THE ELEMENTARY SPIRITS, CONTINUED THE PREFECT OF GIFANTHIA. NO SOONER ARE THEY OUT OF THE PROBATION COLUMN WHERE THEY ARE PURIFIED, BUT THEY RETURN TO THEIR USUAL LABORS, AND TO SEE WHERE THEIR PRESENCE IS MOST NECESSARY, AND WHERE MEN HAVE MOST NEED OF THEIR ASSISTANCE. AT THEIR COMING OUT OF THE COLUMN THEY ASCEND THIS HILL, thereby a mechanism which required the utmost skill of the spirits everything that passes in all parts of the world is seen and heard thou art going to try the experiment thyself on each side of the column is a large staircase of above a hundred steps which leads to the top of the hill we went up and were scarce half-way when my ears were struck with a disagreeable humming which increased as we advanced when we came to a platform in which the hill ends the first thing that struck my eyes was a globe of considerable diameter from the globe proceeded the noise which i heard at a distance it was humming nearer it was a frightful thundering noise formed by a confused mixture of shouts for joy ravings of despair shrieks complaints singings murmurs acclamations laughter groans and whatever proclaims the immoderate sorrow and extravagant joy of mortals small imperceptible pipes said the prefect come from each point of the earth's surface and end at this globe the inside is organized so that the motion of the air which is propagated through the imperceptible pipes and grows weaker in time resumes fresh force at the entrance into the globe and becomes sensible again hence these noises and humming but what would these confused sounds signify if means were not found to distinguish them behold the image of the earth painted on the globe the islands the continents the oceans which surround join and divide all dost thou not see europe that quarter of the earth that hath done so much mischief to the other three burning africa where the arts and the wants to attend them have never penetrated asia whose luxury passing to the european nations has done so much good according to some and so much hurt according to others america still died with the blood of its unhappy inhabitants who men of a religion that breathes peace and goodwill came to convert and barbarously murder observe what point of the globe thou pleases place there the end of this rod which i give thee and putting the other end to thy ear thou shalt hear distinctly whatever is said in the corresponding part of the earth chapter eight discourses surprised at this prodigy i put the end of the rod upon babylon i applied my ear and heard what follows since you consult me about this writing I will fairly give you my opinion. I think it is discreet, and too much so. What? Not a word against the government, against the manners, against religion? Who will read you, if you did not know how tired people are with history, morality, philosophy, verse, prose, and all of that? The whole world are turned writers, and you will more easily find an author than a reader. How make an impression on the crowd? how draw attention unless by strokes levelled right or wrong against placement by luscious touches of imagination proper to excite the gust of pleasures blunted by excess by the trait arguments which though repeated a thousand times still please because they attack what we dread this in my opinion is the only course for a writer to take who has any pretensions to fame mind our philosophers when they reflect for instance on the nature of the soul they fall into a doubt which with all their reason they cannot get out of do they come to write they resolve the difficulty and the soul is mortal if they assert this it is not from an inward persuasion but from a desire to write and to write such things as will be read again if you had made yourself a party if you belong to one of those clubs where the censor passes from hand to hand and where each in his turn is the idol but no you are among the literary cabals like a divine who should pretend to be neither jansenist nor molinist who think ye will take care of your interests who will preach you up who will enlist your name among those we respect i moved to the end of the rod about a twentieth part of an inch lower and i heard probably a farmer of the imposts who was making his calculations upon the people it is not true said he that in the occasions of the state every one should contribute in proportion to his means after a deduction of his necessary expenses is it not also true that a very short man spends less in clothes than a very tall one is it not true that this difference of expense is very considerable since there is occasion for summer habits winter habits spring habits autumn habits country habits riding habits and i know not how many others there should be likewise morning and evening habits but the morning is not known at babylon i would therefore have all his majesty's subjects measured and taxed each inversely as his stature ANOTHER CONSIDERATION OF EQUAL WEIGHT. A TAX ON BACHELOR'S HAS BEEN TALKED OF, BUT IT WAS NOT CONSIDERED. MONEY SHOULD BE RAISED UPON THOSE WHO ARE RICH ENOUGH TO BE MARRIED, AND ESPECIALLY UPON THOSE WHO ARE RICH ENOUGH TO VENTURE UPON HAVING CHILDREN. AND THEREFORE MARRIED MEN SHOULD BE TAXED IN A RATIO COMPOUNDED OF THE AMOUNT OF THEIR CAPITATION AND THE NUMBER OF THEIR CHILDREN i have in my pocket-book i know not how many projects as good as these and which i have very luckily devised each man has his talents this is mine and it is well known how much it is to be prized nowadays at a little distance a grammarian was making his observations three languages said he are spoken at babylon that of the mob that of the petite and that of the better sort the first serves to express in a disagreeable manner shocking things with all their judgment some authors have written in this language and the babylonians with all their niceness have read them with pleasure the second is made up of a certain contexture of words without any meaning you may talk this language a whole day together and when you have done it will be found you have said nothing at all to enter into the character of the idiom it is essential to talk incessantly without reason and as far as possible from common sense the third wants a certain precision a certain force and certain graces but it is susceptible of a singular elegance and clearness it will not perhaps be expressive enough of the flights of the poet or the transports of the musician but it expresses with admirable ease all the ideas of him who observes compares discusses and seeks the truth without doubt it is the properest language for reasoning and most unhappily it is the least used for that purpose methought i heard a woman's voice at a little distance and put my rod there i confess said she i am foolishly fond of this romance nothing can be better penned however this same julia who holds out during three volumes does not surrender till the end of the fourth makes the intrigue a little too tedious it is also a pity that the viscount advances so slowly he uses such preambles spends so much time in protestations and presses his conquest with so much caution that he has put me who am none of the liveliest a hundred times out of patience surely the author was little acquainted with the manners of the nation chapter nine happiness the end of my rod by chance fell upon an assembly where they were talking of happiness each declared his opinion as follows at length says one this superb colonnade is laid open i think of removing those pitiful little houses which darken that grand and beautiful front they repent of having built underground to adorn a place taste is reviving the arts are going to flourish very shortly babylon will proclaim the magnificence of the monarch and the happiness of the people it is a great question whether colonnades fine squares and large cities will make a nation happy they must be enriched industry must be excited agriculture encouraged manufacturers increased and trade made to flourish without which all the rest is nothing nonsense i have said it and i say it again if we will be happy our manners must be more simple the circle of our wants contracted and in a country life we must withdraw from the vices which attend the luxury of cities I DO NOT KNOW WHEREIN CONSISTS THE HAPPINESS OF NATIONS, BUT I THINK THE HAPPINESS OF INDIVIDUALS CONSISTS IN THE HEALTH OF THE BODY AND THE PEACE OF MIND. ASSUREDLY NOT. HEALTH CAUSES NO LIVELY IMPRESSION, AND TRANQUILLITY IS TIRESOME. TO BE HAPPY, YOU MUST ENJOY A GREAT REPUTATION, FOR, AT EVERY INSTANT, YOUR EAR WILL BE TICKLED WITH ENCOMIUMS. YES and at every instant your ear will be grated with censures, because there is no pleasing everybody. It is my opinion, every man is happy in proportion to his authority and power. For one can gratify oneself in the same proportion, yes, but then what eagerness will be wanting which stamps a value upon things, if all was in our power, we should care for nothing. For my part, i am of opinion that to be happy we must despise all things that is the only way to avoid all kind of vexation and trouble whatsoever and i think we should concern ourselves with everything by that means we shall partake of every occasion of joy now i think we should be indifferent to everything as the means of enjoying an unchangeable happiness i take wisdom to be the thing for that alone will set us above all events and i say it must be folly for folly creates her own happiness independently of anything cross or disagreeable about her you are all all of you in the wrong nothing general can be assigned that may be productive of the happiness of particular persons so many men so many minds this desires one kind of happiness and that another one wishes for riches another is content with necessaries this would love and be loved that considers the passions as the bane of the soul every one must study himself and follow his own inclination not at all and you are as much mistaken as the rest in vain do i persuade myself that i should be happy if i possess such a thing THE MOMENT I HAVE IT, I FIND IT INSUFFICIENT, AND WISH FOR ANOTHER. WE DESIRE WITHOUT END, AND NEVER ENJOY. A CERTAIN MAN WAS CONTINUALLY TRAVELING ABOUT, AND ALWAYS ON FOOT, QUITE TIRED OUT. HE SAID, IF I HAD A HORSE I SHOULD BE CONTENTED. HE HAD A HORSE, BUT THE RAIN, THE COLD, THE SUN WERE STILL TROUBLESOME TO HIM. A HORSE, SAYS HE, IS NOT SUFFICIENT. A chariot only can screen me from the inclemencies of the air. His fortune increased, and a chariot was bought. What followed? Exercise till then had kept our traveller in health. As soon as that ceased, he grew infirm and gouty, and presently after, it was not possible for him to travel either on foot or on horseback or in a chariot. CHAPTER Ten: THE Hodgepodge i did not keep the rod any longer in one place but i moved it here and there without distinction and i heard only broken discourses such as these war taxes misery are dreaded insignificant fears all these alas mine are very different i have here framed a system upon earthquakes AND BY CALCULATION I FIND THAT NEAR THE CENTER OF THE GLOBE THERE IS NOW FORMING AN INTERNAL FIRE THAT WILL TURN THE WORLD UPSIDE DOWN. WITHIN SIX MONTHS THE EARTH WILL BURST LIKE A BOMB, AND ALL NATURE, YES, ALL NATURE, VANISHES IN MY EYES. THOU ALONE DOST EXIST FOR ME. EXTINGUISH, MY DEAR, EXTINGUISH THE FLAME THOU HAST LIGHTED IN THY BOSOM. WHAT A MOMENT! PLEASURE DROWNS ALL MY SENSES, MY SOUL penetrated with delight seems to be upon the wing she beats she trembles she flies oh receive her my dear she is wholly thine ah i hear my husband's footsteps let us run courage brave soldiers strike home revenge your country let the blood flow and give no quarter may the islanders perish and the babylonians live i do aver for my part that all of the nations there is not one so gay as the babylonians they always take things on the most smiling side one day of prosperity makes them forget a whole year of adversity even at their own misery they all sing and an epigram pays them for their losses caused by the follies of the great oh how little are our great ones and how foolish are our wise ones i cannot help thinking a man an imperfect creature i plainly see nature's efforts to make him reasonable but i see too these efforts are fruitless materials are wanting but there are two ages the age of weakness in which we are born and pass two-thirds of life and the age of infancy in which we grow old and die i have indeed heard talk of an age of reason but i do not see it come i conclude therefore and i say yes madam of transparent cotton the discovery was very lately made in terra australis so no more colds and dysfunctions. transparent handkerchiefs gloves and stockings will defend from the weather and at the same time give us a sight of that admirable bosom those charming arms that divine leg doubts everywhere certainty nowhere how tired I am to hear, to read, to reflect, and to know nothing precisely. Who will tell me only what is? This, sir, is the countryman who, leaving his plough, has come to talk with you about the affair of those poor orphans, which is not ended. That is true, but what would you have? We are so overwhelmed. No matter, it shall be decided. Ah, good sir, I am glad to see you i owe you a compliment the last wig i had of you makes me look ten years older surely the gentleman did not think i had so magisterial a face do you know my dear sir that it is enough to make me look ridiculous and you to forfeit your reputation grant o lord three weeks of a westerly wind that my ship may sail o lord three weeks of an easterly wind that my ship may arrive give me o god give me children o god send a malignant fever upon my ungracious son o lord grant me a husband o god rid me of mine perhaps all this hodgepodge will not be relished by most of my readers i should be sorry for it to what end then do mortals hold such odd such silly and such contradictory discourses End of section two.